United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the United States of Lead, a podcast about crime, mental decline, and the lead thread that links them. We talked in detail about lead in various household items, including dinnerware. From the people I've been talking to, this is quite shocking news for a lot of people, especially people in our generation, Paul, and the generations below us. I mean, I was surprised, so it's kind of comforting to know it's not just me. But like I talked to my mom about it and she's like, yeah, I knew that. And so I I feel like people in her generation, it was that right when that shift was happening in the 70s, you know, my mom was a teenager in the 70s and leaded gas, you know, people were becoming aware of it. It wasn't banned, but people were starting to realize like, oh, there might, you know, this might not necessarily be the greatest thing. I'm pretty sure that's when leaded ceramic glaze was raising attention too. But then, you know, it trails off and we just don't talk about it. I think that's the biggest and most insidious thing about some of the things that we're looking at today is it's not hidden. They, it's not a it's not a, a sleight of hand where they've actually palmed the coin and you think it's over here. It's they're saying like, no, the coin's right here, but don't even worry about it. It's their whole magic trick is yeah. just don't they've gotten us to just don't worry about the coin. And then we're like, wow, OK, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. This coin is actually really good for you if you think about it. Oh, yeah. You found a little bit of the coin here. It's it's fine. That's totally fine. Oh, and also uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my adventures trying to test my dinnerware. I think I had mentioned about having all my Dollar Tree dinnerware. And I also going to discuss about the new dinnerware I bought that's lead free. But uh, spoiler has other things in it that they made advertise as being okay. And even the company that it's from. So we're going to be discussing this on Patreon in a little brief extra bonus episode about some of these findings. This week, we'll be diving into lead poisoning in China a little bit more, since almost everything we buy in the state seems to be from China, thanks to companies like Amazon. It's important that we know China's relationship with lead just as much as we know our relationship with lead. According to a study posted on the National Library of Medicine's website entitled Environmental Lead Pollution and Elevated Blood Lead Levels Among Children in Rural Areas of China, circa 2011, quote, in 2007, we studied 379 children younger than 15 years living in seven villages near lead mines and processing plants, along with a control group of 61 children from another village. We determined their blood lead levels and collected environmental samples, personal data, and information on other potential exposures. We followed approximately 86% of the children who had high blood lead levels, which would have been over 15 micrograms per deciliter for one year. We determined factors influencing blood levels by multivariate linear regression. The results, lead concentrations in soil and household dust were much higher in polluted villages than control villages, and more children in polluted areas than in the control village had elevated blood lead levels. Increased blood lead levels was independently associated with environmental lead levels. We found a significant reduction of five micrograms per deciliter when we retested children after one year, so that's promising at least. 
And the conclusion was that their data showed that lead industry caused some serious environmental pollution that had led to high blood levels in children living nearby. China, you know, oh, go ahead. Well, I was looking at this. This is just a whole bunch of numbers. I just wanted to say this about all these numbers. We've got 300 and, you know, almost 400 kids that they're looking at over mm -hmm. this period of time, over a decade and a half, um, mm -hmm. or uh, I'm sorry, younger than 15 years uh there's all of these percentages and I feel like when people hear these big numbers, they might think, mm -hmm. oh, well, that's not that many or, oh, there's environmental or contextual uh, factors were not put into the study mm -hmm. or something like that. But I really appreciate this conclusion where it's simply that that shows that the lead industry caused serious environmental pollution. It's like that led to. Yes. Yeah, it is it, directly connected to the high levels it merits for if nothing else like it might not even if you came up with this argument about pro-industry or something like that it still merits further investigation yeah if you found holes in whatever what was the population size or how did you account for this variant or something like that it still merits further investigation mm -hmm. and especially too when you realize how many industries how many there are in China. And I mean, I think I get to it later, but like, it's like mm -hmm. 50,000 different companies, you know, using lead and which yes. ones are the highest concentration, you know, stuff like that. Like China's kind of big and has a big population. I feel like there's a lot of numbers in this. this oh, we're going to get to the misleading numbers too. Yes. Yeah. So I'll let you, oh, sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. Other thing too, is I looked back at Dr. Needleman's paper regarding Roman levels and he uses milligrams, 25 to 250 milligrams for the average. And I'm just like, I, I hope to God that's a typo because that would be absolutely insane. They'd be dead. Like there's no, that would be, there's just no, I, he must've just had a typo and it's supposed to be micrograms. Cause I was like, God, I'm so confused by this people using milligrams and micrograms. And he's not the only person to use MG instead of MCG, but then he uses MCG in other parts. So that's why I'm, I don't know. I'm, anybody knows the answer to that. Please let me know. Going back to this article quote, China experienced dramatic industrial and economic growth over the past decades but at a high cost to the environment and public health. Among the major environmental problems is lead pollution, which began in large industrialized areas, but has spread into the vast rural areas as a consequence of booming small and medium scale township village enterprises. One survey in 19 cities showed that median blood lead levels, and I'm gonna circle back to the importance of median versus mean, in children, three to five years range from 3.5 to 13.4 micrograms per deciliter. Nationally, nearly 30% of urban children aged three to five had blood levels higher than 10 micrograms per deciliter. And compare that to the rural areas. Policymakers have paid little attention to these issues, and a routine national blood lead level survey system has not yet been established, end quote. Let's just talk about routine national blood blood level survey system. I don't see why it's such an issue that everybody have those levels tested and tested every few years like you do with anything else. We're going to get to this article published by the EPA in 2021, all the different levels that they have, including BPA, the amount of BPA you have in your system. And it's like, why, where are they, who's getting this tested? I've never heard of anybody getting their BPA levels tested. I'd love to know, but they have these national averages and it's like, okay, but where is this coming from? Because I've never been asked. But yeah, so going back to uh, these numbers, the biggest thing to draw from that is that their data shows that the lead industry caused serious environmental pollution that led to high blood lead levels in children living nearby. The main cause of lead poisoning now in China is just from air pollution, from dust. So that just shows, I mean, when you don't get these things under control, you just breathe it in. And I mean, it's the same with us with the leaded gas. And it, yeah, we banned it, but it's still in our soil. It's still where, you know, near highways and all of the exhaust fumes, you know, there's lead in that. And we just kind of ignore that. I feel like what this really is, is the high cost of capitalism and economy first public policy. It's like, Absolutely. we're going to put 
this ahead of whatever else is on the balance sheet. And what I think is really interesting, what I want to know more about, but I think we can say looking at China's growth, explosive growth over, like just as a lay person looking at, like, at, at their explosive growth over the past few decades, is their policy decisions are so dramatic. Like mm-hmm. we're just going to get rid of this village. This village has been here for 900 years. We're putting up a dam. We're going to have our people living where they work or, you know, like it's so dramatic. And I think there's a tendency of saying it's inhumane or it's unsustainable. Look at how taxing this is on the people. Look at how taxing this is on the environment. But they've been following a playbook that we designed that american western economies have designed over we just spread it over a little bit more time and we had less objects less things recording what was going on like we didn't have international news reporting on well the slave trade like we didn't have the rape of uh native american land I guarantee there are there are people that did, but not to not to the to, same extent. Yeah, like not, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and we don't have those voices. We don't have those. We don't have as many people recording what's going yes. on. So it's just spread out over time, and it's for a lot of people, it's behind us. But for a lot of us, we're saying like, no, this is the same thing, and it has not stopped, and it's still going on. And mm-hmm. um, they just try to shift your focus. But it's still the same economy first. Like, oh, what oh about absolutely. The economy? economy first, public policy. Oh. Well, and I want to talk about this, like I said, in the leaded gas episode, talking more, diving into the players in the leaded gas industry, because there's always people saying it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, it is that big of a deal. But they are making money. You're not going to disrupt us making money, you know, and so they don't care who they hurt. And that's that's not cool. Uh, <laughs> but that is how capitalism apparently works. And that's why people have issues with it. So going to an article published by the EPA in 2021, between the years of 2015 and 2016, the median blood lead level in children age one to five was 0.7 micrograms per deciliter. And we're going to take a look at this graph, but before I share the screen, I just want to take a minute to say how deceiving that is to have the data reported like this. The median is the middle value when data set in order from least to greatest, whereas the mean is computed by adding up all of the values and dividing it. It's basically allowing the data to, you you either take the mean or the median, and that's why statistics are dangerous to go by because You can make them look any way you want. It depends on how you compute the numbers. The median is the number found at the exact middle of the set of values. So it's not that the numbers reported by the EPA are the average lead level of children in America, but it's the middle number of the numbers that they have reported. So both the mean and median can be misleading when reporting data as they tend to hide those outliers. So I am going to share my screen. So we can see here the the beginning of the data is from 1976 to 1980, and it is pretty high. And we see a significant drop. And where do we see that significant drop? When we actually finally started putting bans on stuff. And again, like we were just talking about how unbelievably difficult that was for people like Dr. Needleman to convince people that this was a bigger crisis than corporations wanted people to believe it was. They do a good job of making the consumer not care, and it's not until these things get out of control that it seems anything's. If I'm running a company or something, I want to make sure that all the teams are getting what they need. If I'm running a a machine, I want to make sure all the parts are working correctly. How do we take care of our bodies what how do i follow the food pyramid but how do we actually like take care of ourselves which also is bullshit oh sure (laughs) how many times has that thing changed (laughs) oh yeah the dairy industry is giving us shitloads of money so let's uh i'm sure that that someone has written about that uh, the history (laughs) of the components of the food pyramid just being a history of food lobbies yeah i mean it's it's fucked up Nothing's for your good. It's for the greater good of whoever's making money off of it. The greater good. There's a documentary called That Sugar Movie, I think it's called. 
that was my first eye opener. I'd never looked at sugar before, but the mm. fact that, I mean, it's more addictive than crack cocaine. So it's that's awful. All you need I know, to know I'm addicted to sugar. I know. Everybody I, yeah. is. You, and yeah. you don't realize you are because you don't know how much sugar is in everything you consume. Like pasta sauce. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're craving certain things, you don't get why you're craving it because it's an addiction and you're not paying attention to that. You just want it. I'm sure you dealt with this too, but people, when they cut out alcohol, all of a sudden you're craving candy and you're, you know, Mm -hmm. you're craving these things. And it's because your body's like, give me that effing sugar that was in my body. (laughs) I need it. (laughs) So yeah, I totally get it. And again, it all lies onto the consumer. Yes. There's another thing, and this is kind of making the rounds, and I'm, I'm happy to elevate it. And that is uh, the mode uh, where, mm-hmm. and this was introduced to me, like, if I'm in a room with Jeff Bezos, and I'm in a room with my colleagues at work, the mean, the average salary is going, or the average, like, net worth is going to be something like, two and a half billion, right? Like there's a hundred people that work at where I work and we all make about 50 grand a year. And that's a lot of people with that small salary. And then there's this other thing where it's this gigantic, so that excuse it, but we could line up a lot of people that all share. Like, so the mode is what, what is the group that has the most similarity? So like, what is the group of kids who are all, I don't know, at four, Point three, even though that's yeah, there might be like four out of three hundred. But what's up with that? Like, why is that the like this comment? I don't know. What's the group that has the highest number of similar or uh, the same metrics? And where are they living? What's yep. their ethnic background? Their economic? Yeah, yeah everything and is that uh, commonality is not just skewed; it's also dismissed by not looking at the mode as well. So you tell this story that with these numbers, but it's a story that people are intentionally trying to tell. Yeah. And even like that, going back to that study in China, I want to believe that these scientists have the best intentions when they're giving this data, but we know from history how easy it is. And especially, like I said, with the lead gas company, how easy it is to find a professor of science and have him conduct this study. And his control group was the office workers whose exposure was extremely limited, not the actual people who were touching the lead so that they could get the numbers they want. Someone at some point told me what you really want in your results, what you really want in like a thesis statement is a single sentence of you want the, the reaction you want to produce is, huh? question mark, H-U-H, question mark. You don't want people to be enraged by your data. You don't want people to be Mm -hmm. uh, like dismissive of it. Like that's not interesting, Mm -hmm. but you're also not trying to like necessarily be an activist. You're trying to promote a discussion. And this is amongst academic discourses. That's why when you were mentioning all of these numbers, it can, things can get confusing, but Still, the outcome of that is like, huh, this merits further study. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know a little bit more about this before I send my friends and loved ones into, into that river in that area. What we need to know is that this is a highly toxic substance. It has these side effects. And we need to stop making excuses for continuing to use them in products. Yes. All of this is constantly trying to justify that's okay. And again, like why so we, need to, we need to go back to diving deeper into those big corporations and their influence on public health. It should be separate just as much as like church and state should be separate. Well, as you might've noticed, there are so many different avenues to go down, which we will be going down eventually. But for now, let's get back to discussing China's relationship with lead. From a quote, how stuff works article by Jacob Silverman entitled, What's with China's and lead poisoning? Because all I can picture is Jerry Seinfeld in my head. Like, that was the worst Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> impersonation. What's the deal with that impression? Yeah. What's, what's the deal with China and lead poisoning? Anyways, this is actually a really good article. But when I read that, I was like, that's all I pictured. In the article, Jacob Silverman says, quote, Was 2007 the year of the Chinese product recall? 
It does seem that way, with numerous Chinese-made products being taken off the shelves in what may be a record year for toy recalls. U.S. regulatory agencies and companies instituted numerous recalls for defective, dangerous, or toxic products, such as toothpaste, children's jewelry, toys, tools, dog food, baby bibs, tires, and computer batteries. The common link between many of these products, they were made in China and contain lead paint. Think too, okay, I'm trying to think back to 2007, like where was I? Obviously not have kids. So a lot of this, you know, wouldn't have even affected me or what I cared about, but I'm sure I went and bought some, you know, gifts for friends of mine that had kids and this is cheap. Here you go. You know, I mean, I never thought twice about it. I do remember some of this stuff. I do remember dog food. Okay. But I don't remember it being because of lead. I just remember there being a lot of recalls. I was working with a, at this time, at a restaurant, and the owners had some wine they were selling in China. And it's the first time I heard any any story of, like, you really need to manage your relationship and, like, manage from afar or go there and actually see the process and really create some assurances that what you're paying for, if you're a foreign company having something made in China, you have to self-regulate that process. Because like we were saying earlier, it's just an expansion of the capitalism and the thinking that we have already adopted in America, but just over a longer period of time where I can just outsource my outsourcing and outsourcing. And I think just shortly after this, like maybe 2011, 2013, there was that guy who, who outsourced his coding job to people in China. Uh, he gave his all of his work away to people in other countries to for less than what he was making and then just lived off that. That's just good capitalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm wrapping my head around this a little bit more with how lead poisoning can occur. So I understand mm-hmm. that there are some people who are putting lead, like you had in the TikTok, where yeah. you're sprinkling a little, like, oh, well, I really like this. But then there's also the environmental conditions of paint, you know, the tubing or like the machine that's making the thing. Yes. That. Which is a big, yeah. With flour, that's what it is. So interesting. Yeah. It's what the flour is being made in that causes the lead to get in there. The discussion we're going to have on Patreon with milk because of where the cows are residing and what the cows are eating, you know, it's, it's all of these elements that you just... You don't know necessarily where it's coming from. The stuff isn't just getting tested on a regular basis. That's what I was trying to get to is this. I think this goes to what we think a company or corporation is responsible for. Accountable for. Yeah. What are they accountable for? And I, is that the, well, I you mean, should clearly, say responsible. They're, yeah. clearly they're not accountable and that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are they responsible for? And if you're going to make something like what did you, you listed dog food, like mm-hmm. baby clothing, there should be response. I mean, what are they responsible for? Clearly not the dog's safety, clearly not baby's yeah. health. That's so alarming. That's yeah. Where, and like, that's I think I've said too, like we always look at the effect and we try to smoke and mirror the cause. You know, how do yes. you know that like a bunch of aggressive dogs aren't just like full of lead? A lot of most everything is learned. Like where there's just like, clay that's molded hmm. children's toys for me when I was pregnant they had like talked about it and you know read a thing or I didn't have to but I was given a pamphlet about be wary of these you know products and I didn't really think anything of it of where it was coming from so this article from how stuff works goes on to say quote in July 2007 Mattel recalled some of its Dora the Explorer and Sesame Street toys due to concerns about lead paint On August 2nd, 2007, Fisher-Price, a subsidiary of Mattel, recalled 967,000 plastic toys with lead paint. So a million. uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, they just wanted to be very specific. On August 14th, Mattel recalled 19 million more toys, 436,000 toy cars with lead paint, and 18 million other toys. So all of these recalls, I cannot believe how many millions of toys that is. And then I have to think the price of toys that had to have changed their price point for certain toys. Oh, actually, they probably just got a bailout and we're like, here, here's money to make up for. So never mind. The government was like, oh, that sucks. Here, have some money. So again, posing the question of how recalls work, 
if you didn't register the thing you bought, you don't know that this product has lead in it. Again, going back to it's the consumer's responsibility. When you explain this stuff to me, I then went on to just a quick deep dive. And I think I've, I forgot to mention this to you. I'm sure you've seen this. I just typed in recalls and the... Total recalls? Let's start a website called Total Recalls. <laughs> well, the weird... So I typed in like how to find recalls and yeah. almost everything was about the auto industry. So after going down a little bit, I got to recalls.gov. I think we do a whole episode about how janky and scary these like links on this website are. It's so Ooh, really. So there's the screen uh-huh. and it probably takes up. Sh- are you on it right yeah. now? Share your screen. And All if right. you don't mind adding the link at the bottom of these notes so I can add it to the episode, that would be amazing. Let me. So here's recall. Well, that looks sketchy as hell right off the bat. Sorry. Totally. I'm not going to that. It looks this, fake. This was either made in 2006 and it's never been updated, or this is so sketchy. This was made by like someone's <laughs> someone's grandpa when they. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So if we go on. Couldn't have updated it since 1996 when they. If we go to came comp- up. <laughs> so if we, I want to learn about consumer products. I'm clicking on yeah. consumer products, and it's like, okay, I want to learn about appliances. Oh. Wait, so these aren't hyperlinked to something? You okay. can't even click. Oh, my Lord. That's weird. But all of this ends up going to this organization called the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, or the CPSC. And now we're going to get it's a... It's like Child Protective Services. Okay, got totally. it. Totally. So then we ch- check out this website. Now... Oh, my God. This jabber, first of all... <laughs> Sorry, again, do not trust that logo. I do not this trust logo, that logo. Which is which is an eagle inside <laughs> another eagle, a, a red white. It's a red, white, and blue color scheme. It's a an eagle inside another eagle wrapped like, in an American flag. It looks like somebody in China who's trying to set up a fake U.S. <laughs> website to like troll people into clicking on it. Totally. It does not look real. And again, um, we'll have video if you're interested in watching along with us we're gonna have video episodes up on patreon once we reach 500 patrons i have to show you one more thing with this yeah please do because this looks sketchy as hell i hope it just keeps getting sketchier we should consider doing some content around this which is yeah following what you're saying about this falling on the consumer this is saying like what are you looking for we need you to tell us what you're looking for as opposed to uh, them telling us you need to be watching for this thing can you click lead on that hazard oh let's see uh hazard lead Um, can you click from like let's do oh so that's annoying you can't even type in the year you could i think oh can you yeah i think so do you want to type in like 1994 oh oh you can't you cannot yeah that's insane so like you you have to oh my god so you'd have oh wait hold on can you do this Oh, there you go. Okay, but again, somebody who is not as computer savvy is going to not do that. Yeah, sure. Just let's just see. Yep. January 1 to today. Yeah. It's going to be a big one, but. Can you do any? Just go on any. Okay, ready? Let's just do it. Jeez. Oh, what was that? Hold on. Could just go. Okay. So they're in order. They are in order. Yes. Holy shit. Okay, hold on. All these. No. Oh, all these. Is this like an ad? It's an advent. Yes. I, dude, I bought a freaking gingerbread house making kit from them. Oh my God. Okay. We're definitely linking this because holy shit. And we're going to have a whole episode where we just go through these because that scares me. So here's some more nightmare fuel. Let's say you're a small (laughs) business. Let's say you're a small business and you want to know. Hey, what kind of lead or what kind of, it's not what kind of lead would be in my products. This is about what regulations do yeah. you need to worry about yeah. when you're producing something. It's not like how to abate all of lead. It's just, what do you got to worry about? So let's look at the regulatory robot. What can I get in trouble for? What can I get in trouble for? So this organization put together the regulatory oh my God, robot. Hey, robot. How can we really connect with the people? How can we really get the word out about the responsibility for small businesses, for businesses uh, who are 
who are potentially making lead. And what this does is you have to so, register. I yeah. really want to use lead in my products. Right. <laughs> don't I even know worry. <laughs> don't even worry about it, Andrew. We got your back. <laughs> it's too complicated to understand how your relationship to lead as a business until today. Oh my gosh. Hate it. Oh yeah, and then that, that fucking logo. So we're back to the logo. Do you want to know more? Oh my god, it's so sketchy looking. So it's this is kind of like the spinning ball. So you're able to make a report where you have to title the report and then you agree to continue, but you say what you want, you say your manufacturing process, you can go through the whole the whole thing, and then it produces this report that tells you, oh. So you're not intending this for to be used Consumed. by twelve year by people twelve or under, then you don't have to worry about this whole <gasps> section of things. So that's why some of those six plus and shit. Yeah, it looks like oh. I don't know enough about this, but it looks like five and under and or six and under, and then uh, oh, twelve and is... under are sort of the these weird ranges. Ooh. But because six because and under you, is yeah. developmentally, because like I said, at six years of age is when. They're like, this is the most crucial where you can't be around lead. Because you say you're not intending for intending. your product to be oh, used by God. someone 12 and under, because what young person wants to use something older kids are using, oh. then there's a different set of regulations. We'll have to jump into this. It's uh, Dude, yeah, that's going to be its own topic. No, no, it's not a child product. How are they going to wear it? You know, so it just goes through, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> this is the, the cheat sheet for shady people. <laughs> is there any vinyl plastic? Yeah, why not? Why yeah. not? All right, let's generate a custom report. So they yeah. give you the you... copy and paste disclaimers to, mm -hmm. to wash your hands clean of any responsibility for the shit that you're selling. You've indicated this product is a general use product and not designed or intended primarily for children 12 years or younger. So there's all sorts of things that you kind of get to bypass. I'm so angry right now. And we really need to go back to that list. That's going to be its own Patreon of us just going through all of those products. The regulatory robot. Yeah, I know. Again, why are companies still allowed to use this in their fucking products? It should be illegal i don't care if it makes it pretty Ugh. you know i haven't smoked in so long but this really makes me want a cigarette <laughs> i have not wanted to have a cigarette in so long okay well what were we talking about <laughs> okay so oh yeah i mean this is a good segue so again from this how stuff works article Quote, if the dangers of lead paint are well known, then why do so many Chinese-made products still contain it? Well, first, lead paint is inexpensive, and it produces vivid colors. It also goes on very easily and resists corrosion. In the United States, lead paint was outlawed in 1962 for the use in children's toys and products, apartments, houses, hospitals, and other similar structures. Lead paint is still legally used on street signs and in other areas where it doesn't pose a health hazard. Government regulations state that children's products whose lead content exceeds 0.06% face a recall, and that was sourced from the Washington Post in this article. End quote. It's illegal and outlawed since 1962 in children's toys and products and apartments, houses, hospitals, etc., here but that doesn't mean that the products here are safe like it's just such a very very irritating loophole corporations clearly are able to operate on this global level and they reap the benefits of that yeah financially but but we don't operate on this level like socially or mm -hmm. with the environment and politically it's uh it's kind of mind-boggling like of course mm -hmm. this is a big connected world Mm -hmm. And it, I'm just going back. To, I, this is the worst magic show ever. Yeah, they're able to hide behind these completely transparent sc screens of regulation and because the modern person's going well. That we can't have children's toys here that have lead. That's been banned. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. It's got to. Yeah. And so I just wanted to take a 
quick minute to pause and talk about that relationship between corporations and consumers. We can imagine corporations as the parents and the consumers as the children in this relationship. And that's how business should be operating and regulated. In all honesty, as a parent, if you left out an open bottle of alcohol in front of your child and your child got sick, you wouldn't be able to say, well, the warning is on the label and they should have known better. And the fact that we are not holding companies accountable for using toxic substances in their products and the weight of responsibility is constantly falling on the consumer is mind boggling to me. That same type of responsibility goes to the people producing these products. When I read your note on that, mm-hmm. I reflexively was like, oh, this is sort of a gross thing. Like, I don't want to think of like Papa Corporation. Like, yeah. that's, I reflexively <laughs> didn't connect too, with but it. This is probably Papa. Yeah. yeah. The more I sat with it, it seems like this is a relationship that corporations are benefiting from, but that we're also propping up. Like, we have. Oh, absolutely. We, we as the consumers have made this relationship and we are intentionally uncritical of the people and forces that are producing our products. We got to go back to, you know, the lobbyists. And Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that there are people crying from the rooftops about certain things, but they're being silenced because they don't have the money to raise the awareness. You know, that's where it's scary. A lot of this stuff we don't find out about Dr. Needleman since the 1950s was crying from the rooftops. And it wasn't until 1994 that leaded gas was banned. It's very easy for people with power and money being power to silence those when it's just this one person and it's just this one group. And But like you said, a lot of it too falls on us as the consumer. We don't want to pay attention to that. So this is something I don't have an answer to, but it's something I wonder and maybe we'll explore as we go on through this. And that is, even if all of this could change tomorrow, there's a switch that just removes mm-hmm. lead from everything that makes sugar evaporate and all of our food, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. We just flip the switch and it all goes away. It's 11 I, right now, too. So make a wish for this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Manifest it, Paul. I, I, I forgot to put it on the vision board. I don't know if this is going to work. So even if it all just sort of went away... I wonder if we st- we would be able to overcome just the, we kind of want these leaders who are just telling us not to worry about things. Like yeah. if we if we could flip the switch and, and one of these politicians is just like, don't worry about it. You don't need to worry about the switch. I'll take care of it. That simple political act, that simple public act, I understand there's a lot of money and power going into these things, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's power that's keeping these things down. I wonder if it's almost, we seem to want to keep replicating these relationships. Well, nobody wants to be held accountable, you know, it. and it's, it, it is. And I mean, and nobody is being held accountable. And so it's just this erosion, if you will, of those ideals. And as much as boomers can suck it, there was a lot of focus on structure. And I feel like nothing polarized is good. Too much structure, not good. Not enough structure, not good. It's that rubber band effect. And I think I was talking to my therapist about that. We need to snap back somewhere in the middle. I feel like we constantly are pushing in directions and not just trying to find an equilibrium and a balance, you know, like the Delphic or nothing, know thyself and nothing in excess. It might be that there is no balance and that we're we're just trying to move through the universe blindly and together, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Maybe that's enough. It's definitely something we'll have to talk about more. But if we don't hold people accountable, you're teaching others that they don't need to be accountable. Then you're not going to have any accountability. And that's personal, global, corporate. I mean, everything. Government leaders. I mean, look at Marjorie Taylor Greene right now. I mean, it's just, and not just her, but she's just the easiest example. If you let something go, it's going to continue going. What would stop her? She is not scary. There's always going to be nut jobs. What's scary is literally hundreds of people, her colleagues that are propping her up. Exactly. And colleagues, because I didn't know this until now that she was, she ran unopposed. And I didn't know that until recently. So that makes a lot more sense. But still, like you said, too, it's it's the pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, 
she's this one nut job. That is what I was trying like, to say. Who's the one actually doing it? So yeah, going back to these products, again, from the How Stuff Works article by Jacob Silverman, he questions the responsibility of the corporations in this article that we've been discussing. And he goes on to say, quote, since many of these recalled products were made in China, are Chinese manufacturers to blame? What role do the corporations that design and sell the products play? Mattel's massive recall was particularly shocking because of its high profile and status as a leading toy company. The recall led industry analysts to remark that if a major company like Mattel had a problem with dangerous toys, then numerous other companies' products could pose hazards as well. Many companies, Mattel included, do not own or manage the factories that produce their toys. Instead, they contract out to Chinese companies where labor is cheap, something that you were just talking about. Some of these Chinese companies, in turn, contract to smaller manufacturers. For example, Mattel has contracts with up to 50 Chinese companies, many of whom subcontract out to other Chinese companies. Such a process, combined with a tangled Chinese government bureaucracy, leaves little accountability. Analysts have also commented that small profit margins motivate, obviously, companies and manufacturers they contract to cut costs whenever possible. As of now, toy companies aren't required by law to test their products before putting them on sale. Though various laws do regulate what can and can't be used in a product, end quote. Clearly, they went to that shady-ass website and typed in, how do I get away with this without being held accountable? I don't know this like how this works now. Yeah. There might be some changes. Yeah, this ref- but, for reference, this is from 2007, this article. But this idea of outsourcing and outsourcing, the outsourcers outsourcing, even though it was kind of a, there was a blind side back in the early aughts, we know about this now. And I wonder, we should really explore this. I wonder how much regulation has moved in on a global level. And that allows companies to do the shell game. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's, oh, we just didn't know. Oh, oh, that's. Yeah. Uh, but where's the accountability? Why aren't they being tested? Like we, that website you pulled up, that stuff was from March 2022. Yeah. That all these advent calendar box, whatever the hell it was, that was from March 2022. So clearly, even though this article is from 2007, they're still getting away with this shit. Someone at Aldi said that this is the product that we want to make. They signed off on that process. I mean, they're trying to recall the product, but. Not to just say Aldi, that this sure. happened to be the one. So I'm right <laughs> at the top. Talking about these toys too, where, you know, this might've been recalled, but somebody might've already donated their toys to Goodwill. And then somebody picked up those toys from Goodwill and there's no accountability for Goodwill to test this stuff for lead. You know, so yeah. it's just this constant, it needs to be from the top. It needs to be. The producer who's producing this can't produce it if it's toxic. And the fact that we just allow this responsibility to be put onto us is, it's fucked up. Yeah. They are the parent in this relationship. It's their responsibility to not have these things for us to consume. I find it very amusing that this relationship has somehow come to their responsibility as limited as the creator. Anyways, and just a reminder out there too for parents that your child might not be tested for lead if you aren't in what's considered a high-risk environment. Parents just don't know. And these things aren't being the first things tested. And I just, it sucks because again, like we said, you know, a child's brain is developing from infancy to six and it's being wired a certain way. And And you might just not know the things that are affecting your child's wiring or yours for your sake. Like we said, how the causes that it has for adults is scary. The rhetoric behind all of this, like you've been saying, is all on the parent. It's all on you to figure out mm-hmm. whether or not you've got, and I'm looking at something from the state of New York, which has a lot of material on lead and lead testing. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, oh yeah, I suppose. Cause it's, they've got some old buildings. Oh, hella old. For like America, that's like we were yeah. talking about like Jersey, that one city in the school from Jersey, right. Massachusetts, that shit. And it's they historical. Have, they can't get rid of it. They have major construction at a mm-hmm. pretty old Think time. Think about how angry New Yorkers are. <laughs> Sorry, I just was thinking about like the irritability. One of the things is how, this is like, a, like pictures, one of the, how to protect your child from lead poisoning. It says, be careful not to bring lead home in clothes, toys, or jewelry. 
That's a bullet yeah. point. Just, yeah. you know, Just as you use your tricorder to detect lead in the clothes, toys, or jewelry that you're... And let's talk about rental places that you sign a lease and it's like, yeah, there might be lead in here. And that the, that landlord has absolutely no responsibility to right. not have lead in there. Right. The actual test for lead seems like that's pretty simple. It's like everything that I've been reading is like, it's just a pin prick. Yeah, you just get some, for kids, it's literally on your finger. They prick you just finger, get a little bit. That's it. But then once that's done, it's okay. You remove anything that possibly could have lead. So get rid of all your stuff. If that still doesn't solve it, well, then you need to move. And I, I know I've mentioned this, but when Dr. Needleman had first made this like his life mission, it was because a woman, a mother whose kid had absurdly high levels, he was like, okay, well, like, this is what you need to do. And if this doesn't happen, well, you need to move. And she goes, the only place I can afford is the same type of place like this. I can never mm -hmm. get away from it. And so again, going back to like, this falls on you. If you can't afford to move somewhere better, you're fucked. And that's not okay. Nobody should be allowed to rent a place filled with lead. You shouldn't be allowed. You should have to take the money that it costs. And there should honestly be some government money given to you if you have a property that has <laughs> lead. If this crime was perpetrated against you, it's not framed like if this was if someone accosted your living condition, your body, your family, there should be some kind of recompense. One last thing from this uh, New York yeah. stuff is like, so instead of being compensated, instead of like being assisted to maintain the health and safety of your family, this is saying if you have uh, five to 14 micro micrograms of lead in your child's body. It just reads your child's lead level is high. Uh, five micrograms or higher requires action. Okay. Yeah. 15 to 44 micrograms. Your child's lead level level is quite high. Uh, <laughs> like you could actually die from that, but you know, you, 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 you and your doctor should act quickly. Uh, oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> and 45 or higher is seek medical treatment right away. You're literally going to die is what they're telling you. You you are dying. You are dying right now. <laughs> it used to be 10. 10 micrograms used to be what was considered safe. And as we've pointed out, there is literally no amount of lead in your body that can be considered safe if it is from man-made products. I hate That's it here. And by here, I mean the entire world, because this isn't just the United States, it's literally fucking everywhere. So, oh, and that's something too I wanted, I, we're going to talk about in that one consumer thing on Patreon is the sparkling water from the foothills of Rome. <laughs> when I read that, I was just like, this does not sound appetizing to me now that I know what I know. <laughs> so, Made from anyway. the finest pewter goblets. Served in the finest, finest pewter goblets. Oh, Jesus. From the spring that the aqueducts have just been draining into for thousands of years. Drink. Yeah. We have already discussed how soil can become contaminated from lead being absorbed into the ground. I don't think either of us had any idea that lead could be in the food we eat. I mean, did you know that? No, no. <laughs> and, uh, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and I, I know I brought up certain Mexican candy that was made with tamarind and uh, something that we'll be discussing in another episode is obviously alcohol and certain seasoning, which just boggles my mind. And don't think it's just soil over in China or other countries with less strict regulations than the U.S. Because remember, lead doesn't disappear and where your food is being grown makes a huge difference. But what kind of food is being grown is also going to affect your chances of consuming lead. So according to an NPR article in 2010 by Eliza Barclay, quote, in many cities, leaded soil does little harm unless you dig or plant food in it. <laughs> says geochemist Gabriel Filippelli. So I just love this, like, again, this whole, like, after note. In many cities, leaded soil does little harm unless you dig or plant food in it. So unless you use it, yeah. Put unless, it yes, it just leave it and you're and fine. Be, well, yeah. and it does little harm. It's not saying it doesn't do any oh, harm. Sure. It does little harm. So again, okay, but how much construction is constant? And how many people are checking the soil where they plant for lead levels? And the soil won't do much harm if you don't disrupt it. Isn't 
really that uh, comforting to me. <laughs> the bear, the bear won't maul us if we don't wake it up. So just leave it in the living room. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Filippelli goes on to say, "Quote: Fruits and vegetables don't absorb lead, but it binds to the skin of root vegetables, potatoes or carrots, for example, or greens like lettuce that grow close to the ground. Even the most thorough scrubbings may not remove it." Filippelli, which I'm sure I'm saying their name wrong, found that soil in abandoned urban lots claimed by gardeners in industrial cities like Baltimore, Brooklyn, Detroit, and Indianapolis sometimes con were contaminated with lead. Though the heavy metal lead is largely gone from our gasoline and paint, it still lies insidiously below us in the ground and occasionally drifts through the air as dust. Downtown land near major streets, freeways, dilapidated buildings with lead paint or aged industrial facilities is most likely to have it, end quote. Literally everywhere. And how they just make it sound like it's like, Aah! I mean, before I left Minneapolis, I know that was becoming huge with the urban gardens. And I mean, a lot of them were at least on the, they weren't digging like physically in the ground, but over by where I was living by the Purity Building, which is hell of infested with lead. Oh, I'm sure. They had a community garden across the street. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was it dug in the ground. It wasn't flower beds. When one of the lakes was doing some landscaping, they found that there was a lot of lead in the soil. And then there was, the issue wasn't do we stop or anything like that. The issue was what do we do with these potentially tons, a few tons of, of soil that we're moving around that's toxic. And I actually don't know what they did with it. I remember that was a thing when I was in high school. But recently with these community gardens, I'm not hearing a lot about that. It was probably the record scratch, like, shit, there's lead in all of this. And we've been feeding lead to people and we didn't know. And, and I think that's the underlying thing of all of this is that record scratch. Like, they can't have that moment. Why don't we have universal lead testing? Because we can't have everyone finding out their yeah. lead levels are alarmingly high. Oh, like we I can't... said, even with me that, well, it's below two, so... That's all you need to know. No, I need to know if it's 0.1 or if it's 1.9. Right. I need to know that. I wonder if there is a product or there's a value case to be made for a product that if it was profitable to sell a personal lead examination kit and that became popularized. So like I should contact like Everly well. Brad Pitt uses it and <laughs> Yeah, they've got a, they got a, he makes it look cool. He's just on a bike, like checking his lead levels and the guy from ancient aliens. Absolutely. He's the coolest, right? Nick Cage does it. All these really uh, influential people. Oh yeah. Everybody would be doing it. Kim Kardashian is, he's got a blinged out lead level checking device. Would it, would that change it? If like, if it became marketable, if it became a commodity. To like, oh, oh, you want to, okay, well, yeah, of course, you can pay $8 every time. and Yeah. The, again, too, the research on the soil is being done here in the U.S. where there have been more restrictions enacted since the 90s. So consider the impact that it has on produce that's grown in China. And I think that's something, too, that people find shocking. Like, do you actually look at your produce and where it's coming from? Because I blindly think, you know, it's somewhere in California or maybe like avocados are from Mexico, but nothing is grown here. It's quite scary when you actually look at the packaging of your produce. And like this said, as far as like lettuce and, and greens and you can't get mm -hmm. that out. Again, a lot of stuff where I don't know why it's normalized. I don't know why this is all falling on us. I don't know why there's just not a worldwide ban. I mean, I do. It's because other economies need to make money. They're desperate. It would cost you know, too much. Yeah. yeah, and it will cost too much. And they don't have the money to do it. And it sucks. It's like the person who you know can't move into the other house. And this is where, again, it has to fall on the people with the money. There's way too many people that have profited off of this. And all that money that they've profited on should go right into making sure it doesn't happen again. What better thing to spend your money on? I want to live I in know. a world where that's what we spend money on. You mean like Elon Musk who promised to fix all the issues in Flint and then didn't do it or promised to end world hunger if the World Health Organization had proof of how to fix guy. it and then he didn't do it, oh, but then buys $44 million, billion dollar Twitter because he was mad that somebody made fun of him? Yeah, I, that's what I mean. 
<laughs> so yeah, again, with circling back to that consumer corporation relationship that we were discussing, that's what we're going to be leading into in our next episode. Uh, Dr. Needleman has sites, particularly in ancient Rome, we had talked about how they used lead and wine. And the first lead ban happened in Germany in the 19, late 19th, or I'm sorry, not 19, in the late 1690s. And this is only because it was affecting their money. The only effective way to get anything done is if somebody's money is being disrupted. So doesn't seem that much has changed in the last few centuries when it comes to what motivates the powers that be to make public health decisions. It's not until there's a possible economic impact that lead raises concern to people making decisions for mass populations, not just here in the U.S., but worldwide. And not just lead, but anything that is toxic. And that's some knowledge that we need to empower ourselves with because, you know, knowledge is power, as Captain Planet says. And we are a consumer culture. And the only way anything is going to change is if we shift how and what we consume. And not just consumption in the form of what we eat, but the media we consume and the products we buy. And just a reminder, that Mattel product recall was from 2007. And we are constantly fooling ourselves that we have evolved past certain toxic practices. But it seems we humans just really love repeating history instead of evolving. So I would like us to focus more on, you know, our power as consumers. I think we give that power, a lot of that power away for convenience. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm not excluding myself from this. I'm a single parent. Yeah, quicker is easier and cheaper is easier. But we really have to start coming together and making this shift and finding that power again to go to gravitate towards the companies that are being responsible, are holding themselves accountable. The companies that are like, here, zero toxins. And again, I'm going to bring this up because of those plates I bought at Home Goods, where I'm like, oh, lead free, BPA free. And then I read something that was in it. I tried Googling the company. It's not even a company. It's an influencer who put their name on it. And I don't even know where it's physically coming from. There's a company out there that are holding themselves accountable. And you want a platform to promote your products, please email us at United States of Lead at gmail.com. Specifically, if you are producing lead-free products, obviously we want to promote anything that is toxin-free, but our focus here right now is on lead. And we'd also love to hear your story of what got you to advocate for this. Yeah, I just really want us to, as consumers, shift to focusing on those companies that are doing the right thing. It might be an uncomfortable shift, but the more of us that only buy sustainable products, only buy from the companies that are making these dramatic shifts, that anything's going to become cheaper. If we all start buying this bamboo product, if we all start buying from this delivery service that promises to 100% recycle, it's going to get cheaper. That's how it works. That's also how capitalism works. Where your money goes, the more bulk that it is, the cheaper it's going to become. So we have to get our power back. It's really a both and, isn't it? It's like there are things that we can do to abate this. There are things that we can do to to protect our family and promote uh, general welfare and to help change the, I mean, really there's a story and the story is lead is something that is dangerous, but ultimately you don't really need to worry about it. Like, I feel like that's the big story that all of this material is telling that all of, we're, we're, <laughs> we'll test for it, but you know, only under certain conditions. And it's really something you don't need to worry about too much. When you buy a house, when you sell a house, you know, when, you, when you're five years old. So there are things that we can do and there are companies that we can buy from and there are products that we can support. But another thing is, and I think you've touched on this quite a bit, which is just there is a shift and I don't really know what that shift looks like. I think I know some of the elements. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it earlier. It's a world where we'd spend our resources, we'd spend our attention and our effort on living in a world where we protect each other rather than Mm -hmm. protect the economy. And uh, I'm going to kill and go to war over the economy rather than. Well, uh, you said, I wish we protected our children the same way we protect the economy. That's what you said. I think like, I still want that on a t-shirt, but I don't know how that works. I know it involves creating a new story. I know it involves living in a new narrative. So I'm kind of saying this partly like, we can't beat ourselves up too much because it's we're trying to escape the crazy that we're all trapped in. And mm-hmm. but 
we also are responsible for our actions while we're here. So yeah, we can do it together. We'll figure it out, figure it out together. We said that illusion that they want it to fall on you, the individual consumer. Right. All of us together, banding together. And that's, that's what's important. So tune in next week. And if you have any suggestions, please email us at United States of Lead at gmail.com. And again, if you like what you're listening to, consider supporting us on Patreon where you can unlock some bonus content. And the more supporters we have, the more we can expand our content. So yeah, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.